0: Today we are starting 1 Samuel, so we start in chapter 1. And this is going to be the story that introduces us to what I think is one of the greatest kind of prophets or priests of God. Um, he's never mentioned as such because he, his book isn't really, a; it's not a teaching or a prophecy book like a like in Ezekiel, although Elijah's isn't so much either, but Elijah does get all the credit. (laughs) But Samuel uh, helped take the people out of just a terrible, ungodly time, and uh, by the end of his life, uh, ushers in um, at least the foreshadowing of the wonderful kingdom of David, Um, and in between establishes Saul. So... Certainly he's used in quite powerful ways, um, and, and the book is a fun read, so we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So there's a man from, who's an Ephraimite, he's uh, of the tribe of Ephraim, and named, uh, where does his name go, um, Elkanah, and he has two wives, one is named Hannah, and the other is Pe- Penina. Penina has children. Hannah does not, so she's very upset. I mean, any woman today who can't have children, it's it's brutal. Um, but especially back then, even more so, because that would have been. Um, I mean that that I don't to use the word insult. There's a better word than that. Um, it would be humiliating for a woman in those days not to be able to have a child, and be seen as like a curse. Um, it would. Yeah, it, it would be a terrible thing. And so Hannah desperately wants a child. And that's not to say her motives were bad, it's just I'm just trying to give the setup of what it would have been like back then for a woman to be barren as she was. And so they would go every year up to Shiloh to worship the Lord as a family. And the chief priest in those days was named Eli. And he was uh, seemed like a, a pretty good priest but not a good father, and so he, his uh, two sons, he was old, and his two sons were actually the main active priests, and they were bad guys. They did not have heart for the Lord, and their names were Hophni and Phinehas, and Eli loved Hannah. Of course, he loved his other wife and, and his kids, um so he when he would go to sacrifice, he'd give them all portions but but he all, particularly loved Hannah, and he would give her a double portion um, and and so this would happen I guess every year when they would go to worship the lord and It seemed common when uh when when families would be made up of multiple wives that they would give each other grief and uh and so, Penina gave Hannah a lot of grief because Hannah did not have a kid. So, one year, they're there they're worshiping the Lord. Uh, she's, you know, she's just weeping to the Lord. She, Hannah is. She's praying. She's praying internally in her head, uh, but her lips are moving. And Eli sees her and assumes she must be drunk because she's, you know, I, she's fervently seeking the Lord in... in tears and weeping, and um, unfortunately, most people of that day, I guess, weren't seeking the Lord so fervently, so Eli thought she must be drunk, and Hannah says she's, you know, because he confronts her about it, and she says, I'm not drunk, Um, I'm oppressed in the spirit, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord, I'm not a worthless woman, like you imagine." and so Eli says, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. So he doesn't really know what he's blessing, but uh, the high priest is blessing uh, her prayers, and she's of course praying that she would have a. I don't know if she specifically said son or child, um, but she's gonna get a son out of this, and um, okay, yes, she had asked for a son, and uh, and so he uh, she she's very grateful that he's blessed her and said, "Let your maidservant find favor in your sight," and she's no longer sad. And, you know, takes nine months plus, and all of a sudden, she's got a baby. And she names her son Samuel. So he's going to be the, you know, the namesake of this book. Oh, I forgot to mention that uh, uh, when when Hannah was praying to the Lord, um, she, she said, if you will give me a son, I will dedicate him to you all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. So it's kind of the Nazarite... Uh, pledge that she's making for her future son and um and so once she does have a son she remembers her promise and when elkanah uh, is going to bring his family to the temple again that year she says no not this year i want to wean my child and spend spend his baby time with him and then later i'm going to give him to the lord so elkanah says that's fine and um and he and he, he shows a little wisdom he says only may the lord confirm his word so elkin has a very minor character but i like that what well, we do know of him seems pretty good so when when samuel is weaned and i don't know if you know we're talking like two three years old probably she brings a three-year-old bull um but you know i'm Somewhere in that range probably they uh, she brings him she brings a a bowl and flour and wine to sacrifice uh, to the Lord and hands her son Samuel over to Eli as a Dedication to the Lord and they worship the Lord there and then we move on to chapter 2 and chapter 2 is a song that Hannah sings before the Lord and it's a, a nice song of just worshiping the Lord the greatness of God um, you know that all his all his knowledge and all his strength are supreme that he that he levels the playing field of man um that you know those who are strong he humbles those who are humble he raises up and the you know the earth is the Lord, all people are the lord's, and he will use those he chooses to use, and it is not by the Uh, the things of man that such things are that the Lord judges such things and uh, his judgment shall reign supreme and he will give strength to his king so foreshadowing the fact that Samuel is going to bring about kings and will exalt the the horn of his anointed and so then the the second part of chapter 2 is basically the beginning of uh, Samuel's how Samuel starts to come to know the Lord Although first it's going to tell us how worthless Eli's sons were, which is kind of important to show us that, you know, these are these are the priest family. These are the sons of Aaron. These are supposed to be those who are closest to the Lord, who represent the Lord to the people and the people to the Lord. Um, these are supposed to be very dedicated people. And in order to provide for them, God set up in the law when he was establishing it through Moses and Aaron, that the people would bring um, offerings. And everything was supposed to be done in a very specific way. And it's going to go on to show us that that they just took advantage of this and that they used their position as priests, high priest's sons. One of them, I'm sure, was set up to be the high priest. And instead, they used their position to Uh, enrich all their base carnal needs. And so the people would be offering sacrifices and the food would be for the priests. Like all they had to do in certain situations was just wait and observe the proper order God had established. But they would say no. They would, in the middle of the sacrificing ritual, they would just take the meat so they could eat it. And the people the people knew the law better than they did, or at least wanted to observe the law. I mean, they came from far away to observe the law and, and worship the Lord. And here these priests are not letting them do it. And uh, so the people would complain, but they, you know, they're the high priest family, right? So they, they would say, no, you should give it to me now or I'll take it by force. So they were, they were really beset by evil, these two. So Samuel's a tiny little boy ministering before the Lord, learning the way of the priesthood. And um, it, it's, he's an interesting character because he's an Ephraimite, right? He's not a Levite. And so he's going to be raised up as basically the, the high priest, and yet he's not of the priestly family. Um, and so this is a, it, it's a really interesting way in which God works. He establishes his law, but he works outside of the law all the time, so, in the last chapter, we saw that King David is going to come from Ruth. Well, foreigners are not supposed to marry excuse me, Israelites were not supposed to marry foreigners, and yet God blessed the the birth of a foreigner into the future king david um, the 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 high priest is supposed to be from the the family of Aaron, and yet the the, the i don't know I kind of think well let me not compare, but just say a very great priest who establishes the kingdom of Israel uh, is not a Levite. He's not from the family of Aaron. He's not even a Levite. Yeah, Samuel is an Ephraimite. So it just shows God establishes principles, but then he works specifically in, in the lives of individuals in whatever way he pleases. And And I think that that typically, of course, goes because of the fallenness of man and that God has to course correct because man has not followed his ways. So every year, Hannah, you know, the family would still come up to worship the Lord. Hannah would bring his son a little robe and uh, for, you know, he'd probably outgrown the last one. And uh, Eli would bless uh, Elkanah and his wife and he blessed them that they would have more kids and, uh, and she did Hannah had conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And, and, you know, Samuel, she would go visit Samuel every year as he's, as he's growing up before the Lord. And then we're back to Eli. Um, he rebukes his sons cause he hears about how, uh, the Eli's taking advantage of his of, I mean the sons of Eli are taking advantage of their position with the women who are serving there at the doorway of the tent of meeting and he says well, you know why are you you're doing this I'm hearing about the evil that you're doing he says if one man sins against another God will mediate for him but if a man sins against the Lord who can intercede for him he's saying you guys are doing a great evil it is more than just a, a basic evil that happens throughout the people all the time uh, but they would not listen to them. They, for the Lord, desired to put them to death. So the Lord has plans against these two. Meanwhile, Samuel is growing in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with men. I think that I think that uh, is repeated about Jesus later on. And then God has to send a man of God to Eli because Eli, um, Eli is not. I mean, he should have been bringing on the judgment of the high priest on these two priests but they were his sons and therefore he gave him a soft rebuke but they they blew him off and didn't didn't listen to him and so God has to send a an, another priest out or excuse me another man of God It doesn't tell us who he is in order to uh, give a word of judgment to Eli and the man of God says hey your your father was a a yeah, slave in egypt and i chose you i chose the people to bring the people out of egypt and i chose your family specifically to be priests to serve at my altar burn incense carry an ephod before me and that did i not give to, to your father the fire offerings of the sons of israel and after all this blessing you kick at my sacrifices and my offerings which i've commanded you honor your sons above me I've established this and you're ignoring this and propping up your sons who do terrible evil before me. And then God says, this is kind of what I alluded to earlier. Uh, he says, yeah, I indeed said your family will serve before my house. But far be it from me to honor someone who dishonors me. And, and so I, that is not the way I will work. Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I do for Israel, and an old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar so that your eyes will fail from weeping and your soul grieve, and all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. So he's putting a you know, he's putting a great curse on, on Eli and his family. And he says, this will be the sign for you. Your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, on the same day, both of them will die. And instead, I will raise up a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and my soul. And I will build him an enduring house, and he will walk before my anointed always. And everyone who is left in your house of your children, you know, your grandchildren, whatever, um, will have to come to him and and bow down and beg for a piece of silver or bread and say please give me a, a priest job so that i can eat a piece of bread so this is a tremendous curse put on eli and that's how the chapter two ends and we go to chapter three so at this time the lord you know people are far from god and and so uh, the lord speaking to people was pretty rare in those days The visions were not often given and so but then introduces us to Samuel hearing from God. So then this famous story happens where Samuel's uh, sleeping in the tabernacle and uh, he hears Samuel. And so he gets up, he runs to old Eli, who's, you know, pretty blind at this point and says, here I am. Do you call for me? And Eli says, no, I didn't call for you. And this repeats a couple of times until Eli catches on to the fact that Um, This is God speaking, so then he tells Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Eli's still able to give some good advice to Samuel, and Samuel goes and lays down. And then the Lord stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel says, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord says to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. This would be a heavy thing for him to learn. He's, he's we don't know exactly how old he is at this point. We know some years have passed, but he's still a young boy. And um and here's Samuel's basically, I mean Eli's basically his father, right? And uh <laughs> he's he's just pronounced a massive curse on Eli and his family. And so Samuel lays down and in the morning Eli wants to hear what God said. And uh he says, I want to hear what God said. And he basically says, you know, I'm, I'm putting a curse on you if you don't tell me what what he said. And so Samuel tells him. And Eli has already heard this from the other man of God. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Eli's resigned to this. He kind of, my perception is Eli at his heart is a good man. He's just not strong enough to to lay down discipline as a father to his sons. He didn't do it early on when it should have been established. And he was too weak to do it later on when, when the, the obvious, um, you know, there's an interesting interplay between parenting and having adult kids. Um, generally, the principles that God established, if we if you raise um, a a son up the right way, he he will he will go in the ways of the Lord, even if he might misstep at first. He's going to go in the ways of the Lord. But there's also it's also true that. A, person can go their own way if a person can just choose to do evil and, and go wrong and uh, so whatever combination of those two things there are Eli should have stood for the Lord instead he stood for his sons and so but he still kind of knows what is right and he he's resigned to that fact now that the word of the Lord will prevail And this chapter ends with the fact that samuel grew and the lord was with him and let none of his words fail so samuel is growing mighty in the lord and he his heart he's got a humble heart to stand for the lord and his purpose is not his own so he's very separated from the sons of eli here and all of israel from dan to beersheba knew that samuel was confirmed as prophet of the lord and the lord appeared again to shiloh because the lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So the Lord is more prominently active now, and the people of God know there is a holy man in Shiloh. And then we move on to chapter 4. So the people of Israel go into battle against Philistines. The Philistines defeat them. The people say, why does this happen? We need the Ark of the Lord with us. That'll give us victory. So they're not seeking the Lord. They're just using the Ark to to accomplish their own purposes. And they bring along uh, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and they go into battle with the ark so the people bring the ark of the covenant into the battle and all the people are excited they're shouting they think for sure they've got victory now because they've got god on their side but remember they didn't actually seek the lord and they're not going into this battle have you know being led by the lord they're just kind of pulling him in trying to use him for their purposes this is an important principle for us in life because this is the most common way that Christian ministry is done to say, well, I have this religion and I think this is what God would have me do. And therefore I'm going to do it because I've always kind of thought that this is the way God works. And so I'm going to work in that way. And so I'm going to carry the banner of Jesus and he's going to bless me. When actually God's wanting us to totally submit our lives to him to be transformed to be discipled up and then to follow his will which might look very differently than what our religious mind thinks it should look like and so that this you know this principle directly conveys to our personal lives and what we're going to see is that the Philistines are scared but they figure out the ark of the Lord is there they know that the ark you know, that the, the Lord brought the people out of slavery in Egypt and helped them conquer all these people. And, you know, the Lord is powerful and mighty, and now he's with them. So they're scared, but they say, we've got to fight. And they do, and they defeat Israel. And 30,000 Israelites are killed, and the two sons of Eli are both killed in the battle. Now, Benjaminite runs to give the news to Eli, and Eli's sitting there on near the road, eagerly watching waiting for you know the news of the battle and his heart's trembling for the ark of the lord so it tells us eli's heart is still for the ark um he's not trembling about his sons he's trembling about the lord and a man came to the tent uh, to tell sorry, sorry man came to tell it in the city and cried the the news out eli heard the noise says what does it mean what's going on Eli is 98 at this point, and you know he's, he's blind from old age, and uh, so he has the boy who came with the news come to him. He asks him, what's the news? He said, Israel's fled before the Philistines. there's was a great slaughter. He says, your two sons are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. When the, he mentions the ark being taken, Eli falls off of the seat backwards beside the gate. His neck was broken, and he died. Uh, he was old and heavy. Then he judged, so he had judged Israel for forty years. So he was kind of the last judge, or maybe you could say Samuel's kind of the last judge of of Israel. And then Phineas's wife, who's pregnant, falls over. She's so distraught because her father-in-law and her husband have both died, her her uncle-in-law as well. And uh, she gives birth, her midwife says, don't be afraid, you're, you're giving birth to a son. She names him Ichabod, because he says, she says the glory, of Lord, the glory uh, has departed Israel, because the ark was taken, and because of this death in her family, and so she's distraught, but she has this son. And that's, that's it for today. Uh, I hope this is helpful, and I do pray the Lord blesses you.